0: Um, This is a wonderful time of year for for us. We enjoy it because our children are flung all over the world, it seems. And they all come back um, home for the holidays. And so it was really neat with Christmas time at hand. We had all of our kids there, which gave us a wonderful time for reflection. And I, I especially was thinking as I was writing this lesson about our son. Our son is, is 24 years old, and he is in graduate school in England. And he's a wonderful boy. Uh, there's Jonathan Armour, one of his good friends. And, and uh, 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 so many of the great friends Will had, we've gotten to know through the years. It's been a wonderful joy to watch him grow up. But I was thinking about Will with this lesson, because when he was very, very young, one of his favorite things... We knew you were a patrician... One of his favorite things to do was to build with Legos. Your kids, or you ever do the Lego thing? And those Legos, when you go buy them, they have ages for them. There are Legos for age four to six. And you can buy the boxes, the little boxes, or you can buy the packages, and they'll have the Legos in there with the instructions that a four to six-year-old can follow to build with those Legos. You can take the exact same Lego blocks and put them in a whole different box with a whole different set of instructions and now all of a sudden it's for age 12 plus. I, th- we, we, we went uh, over the holidays, we were in New York City some and we went to FAO Schwartz and the picture I didn't get downloaded. But they have in the Lego area of FAO Schwartz Darth Vader this tall out of Lego. It's 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 just incredible. And they're the same stinking little blocks that the kids use age 4 to 6. And you can look on the internet and see people who've built some incredible things out of these little age 4 to 6 blocks. And I bring that up because we're talking about the Holy Spirit and Paul's teachings on the Holy Spirit for the next few weeks, which I'm absolutely ecstatic about. And... It's kind of a Holy Spirit joke. Um, I'm very excited about it. But but what I want to promise you, if you'll come to this class, is that I I truly believe we will be uncovering some aspects of God at work that perhaps you've not uncovered before. The way I want to do it is I want to go back and start very basic. But I want to build like Legos. Because that's the way God has revealed himself to us. Historically in scripture, what theologians call progressive revelation is the idea that God started with the Legos at four to six. But over time has given more information... As as his people matured and understood him more fully, he's unfolded the riches of his treasures in greater and greater detail and complexity. And it's happened in such ways that eventually as we unfold those, we'll see that the very Basic tools that allowed us the four- to six-year-old activity will allow us to build something that's spectacular. Um, First mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Genesis 1, verse 2. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. Now, can't get much older than that. That's about as old as you're going to get. That's before the creation. And that tells us some things about the Spirit of God. But we would be far stretched to develop an understanding of the Trinity. Or many aspects about the Holy Spirit simply off that scripture. That's one of the building blocks. And, and, And it's valid and it's true and it's authentic and it's real. But it's not the full revelation that God's given us about the Holy Spirit. It's not the only block in the box. So what we're going to do is unpackage the box. We're going to look at the different blocks. And we're going to study and put together, at least in a way that helps us understand Paul's writings, the Holy Spirit. Now, why? Why would we study the Holy Spirit? Well, I got three obvious answers that I'll throw out there. Number one, uh, we'll study the Holy Spirit because He's God. That's a pretty good reason. Most of us have some interest in that or we wouldn't be in here. Let me give you a second reason. The Holy Spirit is the power that God used to resurrect Christ. That God the Father. That that God the Trinity. It was the Holy Spirit that was the resurrection power that emptied the tomb. Third. Third. It's also the power God has to change what you see when you look in the mirror. I don't know about you, but I'm in the first few days of 2009. Pastor Fleming asked how many people make resolutions. I raised my hand, I'm a resolution maker, but I didn't raise my hand too far. (laughs) Because the resolution started for me on January 1st and I have been working out. And I can't lift my hand farther than this. My wife says that she could do a calendar, at least be able to tell certain key times of the year based on how I move. When I'm moving like I am now, she knows it's either right at January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, or 4th, <laughs> or it's about a week before my birthday. Because the, or she says sometimes it means that summer's right around the corner. But it's those times where I decide i got to do better than this. Spiritually, I want to do better than this. Don't get me wrong. God has has taken me from horrible, cruddy stuff to a place where I I can say, by the grace of God, I stand. But I don't want to stay here. I can look in the mirror spiritually and see some ways I want to be different. And if you can also, then this study's for you because it's the Holy Spirit that is God's power to change you. Paul recognized that. That's why he said, don't quench the Spirit. So let's study the Holy Spirit together. <clears throat> As we're going to do it, since we're studying these things from the teachings of Paul, we need to start out with Paul's textbooks. How many of you ever took a class? It doesn't have to be college. It could be vocational school. It could be high school. It could be Sunday school. But have you ever studied something where there was a prerequisite? I took a class one time. It was... a a junior level class and I was a freshman in college. I didn't do that well because I didn't have the prerequisites. I didn't know enough to go in and understand what was being taught in that class. What I want us to do, because I want us to build from the ground up and I want you to have a good foundation and I want a good foundation for the Holy Spirit lessons is I want us to start, before we read Paul, Let's read Paul's textbook. Paul was a student before he became a rabbi. If we remember our lessons last year from the life of Paul, Paul studied under one of the top rabbis in Jerusalem. Paul was rabbinically trained by Gamaliel. Paul's textbook was the Old Testament. Paul, being a a Renaissance man... 1,500 years early, Paul not only would study the Old Testament in Hebrew, his, his, uh, um, his language there with Gamaliel, no doubt, but he also, as a Greek speaker, studied the Old Testament as it had been translated into Greek by Jews several hundred years earlier. So we're going to start Paul's teaching on the Holy Spirit by reading and studying the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, in Paul's textbook. All right? So what language? Hebrew. So we will start our Hebrew lesson for the day. Okay, that's enough. It's not Havanagila. Our Hebrew lesson for the day is this word I put on the screen, Ruach. Ruach. Oh, that's good. Are you. That's the U sound. That's the, then, uh, that's like ru, like in a kangaroo. Okay, ru. And then that last part is that letter that looks like uh, almost a uh, lowercase n. That's the CH sound. And when they put a line underneath it, looks like a, a line underneath it, that means add A before the CH. So that becomes a Okay? That's C-H with the A underneath it. So that's Ruach in the Hebrew. Now the A-C-H sounds like the Ach in Bach. Unless you're really Jewish. And then you get to like gargle back there as you say it. So it'd be like Ruach. (laughs) Okay? Um, Ruach. That's our Hebrew word. Ruach. It's a great word in the Hebrew. The Hebrew word ruach, if you're reading your Bible, well, let me tell you this, it occurs as a noun 389 times. But if you're reading your Bible, you will not see spirit 389 times because it's not always translated spirit. The word means more than simply our word spirit. Or our word, ghost, if you're back in King James English. Ghost is the, um, it's. it comes from West Germanic, um, back over a thousand years ago, it kind of infiltrated into Middle English, and, and ghost means spirit, um, like, uh, did you see a ghost, did you see a spirit, or give up the ghost, you know, was... The old expression for dying where you, your spirit leaves is the idea. So ruach, you're not going to see 389 times it translated spirit because sometimes it's translated differently. It's, it, it was the Hebrew word for wind. It was the Hebrew word not only for wind but for breath. It was the Hebrew word for Spirit. And so I want us to understand this word the way Paul understood it, not the way we understand it as 21st century Christians who are meeting at Champion Forest Baptist Church. Let's try and get into the word Paul knew before we read Paul's writings about it. Now, if we look at it from the perspective of wind first, um, I put... Yeah, y'all can keep singing. Everyone knows it's Ruach. Um, (laughs) The wind, same word. Now, if I ask you as 21st century scholars, what is the wind? David might tell me. The wind is when the molecules in the air are in movement. Okay, that'd be good. But we think of air differently than the Jews did. Or, or than a lot of primitive, uh, not primitive, um, ancient cultures. Be more better way to say it. We think of air because we understand molecules. We know what oxygen's in the air. And we worry about greenhouse gases in the air. And the effect they may have on the atmosphere. And, and, and we think, No they didn't really understand air in the sense that we understand it. They don't really have a word for just the air that's around us that's not moving. You can't see air. It's not the kind of thing absent our scientific culture that you readily understand just by looking through it. Wind had meaning to the Jews and to the Hebrews, and to the ancient cultures, only as it moved. Air had meaning as it moved. Because you still can't see it generally, but you can see the results of it. Right? So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east ruach, an east spirit, an east wind upon all the land. The key to understanding the Hebrew idea of ruach, spirit, is that it's it's something that's invisible at work. Wind was only important in what it did. The the thrust of the word is not, gee, the air currents are moving. The thrust of the word is, as a result, things are happening. Look at it uh, as a windmill. Martin Allen is a friend of mine from high school days who reads these lessons. I emailed him uh, this lesson yesterday. He emailed it back to me and said, Hey, I love windmills. We've got five of them at our school in Shallow Water, Texas that provide $100,000 a year in electricity for us. He says, We're big on the Ruach. We like it that it moves the windmills. The invisible power at work churning the windmill is what he knew. This is Jonah 1, four. The Lord hurled a great ruach upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the, th- the ship threatened to break up. There. This is a metaphor of God's judgment. Let's put it up that way. God was judging and a metaphor is, is uh, he takes his wind... And he hurls it. He did it to judge Jonah. But look at it here. The ruach wind is used in the Old Testament as a metaphor for God's judgment with separating out the chaff from the wheat. The wicked, Psalm four says, are not so. Psalm 1 is the one that starts out, Blessed are those you know, who are righteous. They'll be like trees planted by the rivers of water of life whose leaf doesn't wilt and, and but not so the wicked they're not blessed like this see the wicked are like chaff that the wind the spirit blows away and in the written lesson I've given you lots of redundant scriptures and by redundant I mean other scriptures to, to offer you to, to help you understand these points but the what I'm telling you is, is when Paul uses that word ruach, he's using it recognizing that the spirit, the wind that God has used has always been one that, that is equally useful as a metaphor for God's judgment. God's ruach, God's wind separates the wheat from the chaff. Gets Jonah back on track. It's God's wind, his ruach, And it's God's. It's not controlled by humans. Go out the next time a hurricane's coming and without any help whatsoever, make it stop. I grew up in Lubbock. We have wind. We have, like, hurricanes every spring. It's just instead of water, ours blow dirt. You can't stand out there and stop it. You just can't. And that's the way it is with God's Spirit. It's like the wind. It is the wind. It's the Ruach. In the Hebrew, the Ruach, it can't be controlled. No man, Ecclesiastes 8 8 says, no man has power to retain the wind. The Ruach. Some translators translate it spirit there, others translate it wind. It's equally true. It's the same word. No man has power to control the wind. No man has power over the day of death. It just doesn't happen. The Ruach. What else did Paul think of with the Ruach? The Ruach wind. The Ruach was God's messenger. God used the winds as his messengers, we read. Um, He makes His messengers winds. That's the way He says it in Psalm 104.4. Ruach. His ministers of flaming fire. This is a passage quoted in the book of Hebrews. He makes His messengers winds. God uses the winds to blow His message. God uses the Spirit as His messenger. This word wind... In spirit, it's the same word in the Hebrew. So, we can see the Hebrew using the word as wind. Let me tell you a second way it's translated. It's translated as breath, but since this is Jewish, we don't need the Texas star on there. We can do better there. It's translated like breath, it's David's star. Now, the Hebrews had another word for breath, nasama. So, so this is not the only word. But ruach was used when you were really focusing on the effect of the breath. Ruach is used to stress um, here. The life and vitality of breath. Like when you're out of breath. When the Queen of Sheba comes to see Solomon. And she sees all of his wisdom and all of his treasures. It says... She lost her breath. She lost her ruach. She was winded. It was like, oh my. Whoa. That's, that's the, the ruach. That's the wind. It's the vitality of life. It's what life is. When Ezekiel has the vision of the, the bones, the dry bones in the desert, God says to prophesy over these dry bones, thus says the Lord God, I will put breath in you and you shall live. I'll put ruach, I'll put breath in you. God breathes into man and makes him a living being. God's spirit, God's breath. Okay. Third word. We see it translated spirit. Because the same concepts that allowed this word to, to take A representation of whatever it is that causes windmills to turn. Even when you see nothing. This invisible power that causes chaff to blow away from wheat. There is an invisible power that seems to be inside us. I can't see it. But I know it's there. And so ruach was used this way in the Hebrew language. It's used synonymously with the word lev, which is heart, many, many times to indicate that place within us where we decide right or wrong. That, that part, you want to talk about your spirit, that part within you that's, that, that's the seat of where you decide what's right and wrong. Look at Ezekiel 18.31. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you've committed. Make yourselves a new heart, even a new spirit. See the way the word's being used there? It's being used as this place where we decide the difference between right and wrong. Now, this is Paul. And a number of times as Paul studies this, and Paul studies spirit in the Old Testament, there are some times in the Old Testament where the, the, the Spirit is um, even modified as a Holy Spirit or a Spirit of God or a Spirit of Yahweh. But let's consider the spiritual aspects of it. Who wants to be strong like Samson? Me. <laughs> oh, me. The Spirit of God. The ruach, the wind, the vitality, the breath, the life, the essence of God was the source of Samson's strength. It's the same idea. The effects are seen even if the Ruach's invisible. The spirit of the Lord, the ruach Yahweh, rushed upon Samson. And although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces like you'd tear a young goat. And just think of the last time you tore a young goat into pieces with your bare hands. The closest we can come off of that might be uh, tearing the leg off of a chicken that's been roasted. That's the way he did it. Most of us don't tear young goats into pieces with our bare hands. Though if you ever do, please invite me. I would love to see it. (laughs) Um, Make sure the goat's well cooked first. The... um, that's what that's what Samson did. Uh, I thought it was because he had the long hair. Well, that was his commitment to God as a Nazarite. I thought it was because he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was the spirit of God that was the power. There wasn't anything inherently powerful in having long hair. Willie Nelson is not going to go tearing apart a goat or a lion. You can't get. Look, if I want to be able. Where is he? Webster's in here. I saw Webster a minute ago. Webster, where are you? Webster, stand up, young man. Webster works at our law firm. Okay, now look at Webster. He can bench press, what would you tell me, 50 pounds. (laughs) And (laughs) it's not because he has long hair. It's because he works out. It may have been more than 50, I don't know. But he's our, thank you, you can sit down now. Webster's like the strongest guy in the office, but it's not because his hair's long. Samson's strength was the power of God's Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit of God. It was God's Spirit, His breath, His wind, His ruach that gave the prophets words countless times the prophets say the mouth of the lord has spoken it in hebrew kipi adonai dibber it's it's not important cuz i'm saying it it's important because god is saying it the prophet said they spoke by his breath by his message the ah, you would feel from the words of the prophet the Is from God. When they spoke on his behalf. It even applied. King Saul got to prophesy by the spirit of God. The spirit of the Lord. The Ruach Yahweh. Whoops. There we go. Will rush upon you. And you'll prophesy with them. And be turned into another man. Now here's an interesting idea in the Old Testament. God used spirits. Ruachs. Other than his own. You with me? It's a long quote. But let's put it up there. Here's the situation. Ahab um, wants to go to war. And uh, bad came. And so he calls in all of the little goofy. Ungodly pagan counselors. And says uh, you know read the liver. And tell me what I, if I'm supposed to go. Oh yeah go fight. You're going to kill them. Then Micaiah comes in, who's actually God's prophet. And Micaiah says, No, you're not. You're going to lose. Let me explain what happened. Micaiah says this. He says, Come here. The Lord said, Who will entice King Ahab? So that Ahab will go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead. And then a spirit, a wind, a breath, a ruach came forward, stood before the Lord and said, I'll entice him. And the Lord said, how? And the spirit said, I'll go out and I'll be a lying, a false ruach, a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. Now, therefore, behold. The Lord's put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. Yahweh has declared disaster for you. Okay, now this is supposed to do two things in you right now. Number one, it's supposed to make you say, Wow, okay, this raises questions about God and His nature and all of this. Because that's supposed to make you want to come back for us to do this more. That's not the thrust of this lesson. But it is one we'll address, God willing, in this series. The thrust of this lesson is for us to see that God uses Ruach's spirits other than his own. Even evil ones, he uses them to his good purposes. Now, God did not allow the lie to exist without the truth. Because just as the evil spirit went out and inhabited the pagan prophets, enticed, if you will, Ahab, who wanted to hear... And was paying to hear what they had to say. God sent the truth. God's spirit spoke through God's prophet. So Ahab had a choice between listening to the spirit of God. Or listening to the lying spirits. And Ahab chose the lying spirits. Interesting. Next point. In the Old Testament, God chose who got his spirit. Now, the Israelites were God's chosen people, right? They didn't all get his spirit. God selectively put his spirit on certain ones. He put his spirit on Saul, and Saul got to prophesy. Then he pulled it away. He put his spirit on David. David commits adultery and then murder. And writes Psalm 51 pleading with God. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. God would pick who got his spirit in the Old Testament. With Moses, Moses has the spirit of God. He's prophesying. God sends it on 70 more men, and they start prophesying. God selected got the Spirit in the Old Testament. You see this in Joel, because the prophet Joel says, in the coming days, the days of the Messiah, it's going to come to pass that God's going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. All of His children will get it. Old men will dream dreams and young men have visions and sons and daughters will prophesy, even slaves. It doesn't matter your occupation, it doesn't matter your calling, if you're a child of God, you'll have the Spirit of God. That day is coming, but that day was not then. That day did not come when Jesus was born. That day did not come when Jesus died. That day did not come when Jesus was resurrected. That day came on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. If you go back, and, and we're going to do a lot more of this next week, so I don't want to get into too much detail now. But if you go back and look at what Jesus had to say to his apostles at the end of his life, Jesus says that God's going to send you another helper, a Paracletos. It's the word Pastor Fleming was referencing that Luke used earlier when he was talking through Simeon, uh, recounting the story of Simeon. And Simeon uh, uh, had been promised this. But I digress. When Jesus says, uh, I'm going to send you a helper, he says, you know him. You know him right now because he's with you. But he will be in you. Now look at the verb tense here. You know Him because He's with you. How was the Holy Spirit with the apostles? In Christ. The Holy Spirit's in Christ. So they may not realize they know the breath of God, the Spirit of God, the wind of God, but the wind, the breath, the Spirit of God is with them because Jesus is with them. But there's coming a day, Jesus says, when He will be in you. God selectively gave his spirit under the Old Testament. Now, that's Paul's textbook. That's what Paul knew. That's what Paul had trained under. That's what God had had put into his word that Paul had studied as a rabbinical student and good Jew. Paul becomes a Christian. Paul has experiential truth of the Spirit of God. Paul has revelatory truth as God reveals through his Spirit to Paul. We'll study these things in greater depth, but Paul writes understanding this word. And so as we look at it when Paul writes, now you might be sitting there saying, well, wait a minute, Paul wrote in Greek. Yes, he did. And we'll look at the Greek next week. I'll give you a hint. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma, as in pneumonia. That's where our word comes from. Because the Greek word for spirit, they were an ancient civilization too. It's the same word in Greek for wind and breath. So you get that breath disease, you get pneumonia. It's pneumonia of the pneuma, the breath the Spirit. So Paul's using... And, and the Greek word pneuma is what's used by the Jewish scholars when they translated the Old Testament. So Paul knows the Old Testament in Hebrew. He knows the Ruach. He writes in Greek using the same meaning word pneuma. And when he writes it, he writes it recognizing how the Old Testament itself came into being. The Old Testament is not a collection of fairy tales. The Old Testament is not a collection of really cool books. Paul says the Old Testament is God breathed. If you're a King Jameser, it says all scripture is inspired by God. But that word translated King James inspired is theos, God, penumid. It's God spirited. It's God breathed. If he were saying it in Hebrew, he would be saying, It's Yahweh Ruach. God did it. It is the Ruach Elohim. It is the breath of God that wrote Scripture. All Scripture is that way. Now That being the case, let's look at what Paul's scripture was on Ruach and let's see if Paul doesn't agree with the usage of the word. You remember I told you the key for the Ruach? It's the invisible power of God at work or of the wind or whatever it's describing, but it's it's this invisible power that's doing things. You want to see it? You look at what it does. You want to see the Spirit? Look at what it does. Does you'd have just as good a luck of seeing the air? You gotta look at what it does. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There's no law against these things. Paul says that in Galatians. Paul says that's the work of the spirit. It's not. You, oh, I see the Holy Spirit on Mark. Well, if you do then you have goofy eyes. Because if you want to see the Holy Spirit, you'll see the work of the Holy Spirit, I pray. I always view a little bit suspicious someone who says to me, I see the Holy Spirit come down on Donna. Okay, now, you got a tongue of fire over you, Donna? I can, gather, I can handle that. That was Acts 2. That was the Spirit. Okay? Okay. But I can see the way she lives her life. And I can see the Holy Spirit. I can see the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach, God's wind. A metaphor for God's judgment. Paul uses the word that way. Paul says in Thessalonians, The lawless one will be revealed, who the Lord will kill with the breath, the wind, the wind. The spirit of his mouth. (sighs) Judgment. Separates the wheat from the chaff. Do you think God's spirit could be controlled by human hands or humans? No. Jesus says it, Paul says it. These things God's revealed to us through the spirit. The spirit searches everything. We don't go looking for it, we don't figure out the spiritual truths we don't figure out the depths of god it's the spirit and the spirit moves and the spirit does this i love what pastor fleming said today if you don't know that jesus is god or you're wondering about it pray that god would reveal it to you through his spirit i think sometimes god's spirit works really good with these sermons and lessons Of course, it doesn't hurt that I send him these lessons ahead of time and he reads them so that he can give me these softballs that I can hit later. I tease him about that. I say, man, you really set me up for class. And he smiles and winks and says, well, I just want you to know I read them. What a preacher. What a sermon this morning. Fantastic start of that series on Luke. I'm really excited about it. God uses the Ruach wind as his messenger's. The Spirit is God's messenger. Paul says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by His messengers. His messenger, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the messenger of God. If I've got anything of any use to tell you, it's absolutely useless if the Holy Spirit doesn't help. Doesn't help. Doesn't drive the train. My prayer is, God, don't let me get in the way of the message. Because your sons... God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The messenger... The Spirit. He's the one who's crying, Abba, Father. He's the one who's helping you understand the relationship that we have with the Almighty. You want to be Samson? Remember this slide? The effects of the Holy Spirit are seen even though the Holy Spirit is invisible. Paul He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. I have been washed and renewed. You want to see it? You'll see it by my life. Just because you don't see the Holy Spirit actually performing it within my heart and within my mind, doesn't mean He's not doing it. It just means it's an invisible work. It will be seen by the effects. God's Ruach gave the prophets words. Paul understood it. Paul said it. All scripture is God breathed. God used other Ruach spirits other than his own. Paul says it. As it's written, God gave them a spirit of stupor. Eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. These are things we're going to probe as we go further and further. But I can't leave this alone before we do points for home without telling you. In the Old Testament, God chose who got his spirit. Now God gives his spirit to all believers. Paul says, who also put his seal on us. He gave us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Look at this passage. Paul says, in Christ... The blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. We might receive the promised Ruach, spirit, Penuma. The promised spirit through faith. We have it. So next week, the coming attraction is we're going to really get good with these Legos. We've unpacked the box. We've seen the tools Paul has. Let me send you home with these ideas. First, be the windmill. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The Spirit's working in your life. If you're a believer in Christ, I'll tell you if you're not a believer in Christ and there's something in you saying, I wonder if there's anything to this. That's the Spirit working in you. That's the Spirit of truth, not a lying spirit. Oh, if Ahab had had the wisdom to fall down on his face and honor the spirit of truth instead of the lying spirits. What God could have done with his kingdom. What God could do with you. If you honor his spirit. By honor his spirit, I don't mean fall down and worship and pay homage to it. I mean listen to the spirit's call to drive you to Jesus. Be the windmill. Let the Spirit work in your life. And that means if you're going to live by the Spirit, you ought to walk by the Spirit. If it's the Spirit, if it's the breath of God that's given you life and vitality and that's given me life and vitality, why on earth would we ignore it in the way we live? If it's the Spirit of God that truly is taking care of me for eternity, why, when I'm faced with a business deal, do I turn my back on the Spirit of God? Because I think I know better. If it's the Spirit of God that cries out, Abba, Father, that has a relationship between me and God Almighty, why, when it comes time for a political question, would I ever do anything other than acknowledge the Spirit of God, what God wants? Why, when it's time for a family issue? I got to visit with someone this morning. Actually, two different couples that are are, uh, engaged to be married. And, gentlemen down here, I won't embarrass, but I guess I just did. (laughs) I'm telling you, you want to be in a family. Why would you ever want to do anything, any way, other than by the Spirit of God? And finally, you want to be Samson? You want to be strong and tall like a coconut tree? Then take the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. Remember, we've seen how those go together. God breathed. God spirited. The Word of God. Jesus, the Word of God made flesh. Whom the Holy Spirit came upon in full measure. You want... To be Samson, don't take one of them flim flam power courses that you can lose your strength by some sissy gal with hair cut scissors. Go for the real thing. Because the Spirit of God is a sword that pierces to the division between bone and marrow It's sharper than any sword you'll find. It's going to be fun the next few weeks. Would you please make a commitment to come back and share with me and bring some friends. They don't have to have these first Legos. We'll still build next week something really cool, I hope, by the grace of God and His Spirit. Pray with me. Lord, we're out of time, but I, I just have to stop and thank you for your work in our lives, for the work of your Spirit, for drawing our hearts to you. You are Lord God Almighty. And it's hard for us, Father. It's very hard for us to consider that the very spirit you use to raise Jesus from the dead. You have at work in our lives. That the same power you use to resurrect our Messiah. Is power available for us to walk in holiness and in your plan? And I pray that you will help us uncover this and, 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 and further understand and, and free ourselves up to the work of your spirit in the coming weeks and in this year. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.